Hello, folks. Welcome to our branched off segment from Viva La Cats. Uh, we're calling this for now Campus Kings. We'll see if that changes at all soon. Um, but essentially in this, we're going to be giving you guys a weekly rundown of five top 25 games to watch and five uh, other games that are not top 25 to watch, um, whatever those may be. G5, Power 5 could even include some FCS as well. Um, just going to give you a sort of a round table look at that and also include some other revolving topics from college football. Uh, we're going to try to keep it a nice, neat package, keep it under about 25 minutes if we can, uh, and keep ourselves pretty tight to that, uh, about two minutes per topic. So with all that said, um, thank you guys for joining us for this. Um, one thing to really pay attention to for this week, we are in essentially the halfway point of the college football season. Um, a couple teams are on buys this week, including the Bearcats, of course. Um, but there are some big top 25 matchups um, coming. But before we get to that, there was one question that I caught on the Twitter sphere uh, from our good old friend, uh, Chris Vanini. Not that I know him personally, but I consider him a friend because he uh, he loves he loves tweeting about the Bearcats and the G5. And anybody who appreciates the G5 uh, has my appreciation. So. Nonetheless, from Chris Vanini, he had a question about who owns outer space when it comes to college football. Uh, there are a couple teams that have made um, some astronaut space-inspired uniforms, uh, all laying their claim. I think technically with UC, the Bearcats could have just as much of a name to claim as all of these other ones too. Um, considering that Neil Armstrong taught at the University of Cincinnati for God knows how long, um, but, uh, on this list specifically is including Purdue, UCF, Rice, and Air Force, um, Purdue specifically for, uh, Armstrong and the astronauts Armstrong being the graduate. We had the later career and I believe also the birthplace of Armstrong. If I do, if I'm not corrected on that, um, but UCF having Kennedy space center rice with JFK and Houston and Air Force with the space force which um, I still think is funny. But anyways, Steve, what would you say your vote would be for this? Who owns outer space? Uh, well, uh, I was going to say Purdue because, uh, you know, Purdue was where Neil Armstrong went to school, but they're kind of annoying about letting you know that they are the space school as well. So I'm going to go off the board here and quote the great okay. John F. Kennedy. Why do we do things that are hard? Why does Rice play Texas in football? It's not because that we do things that are easy. It's because we do them because they're hard. And Rice <laughs> used that quote of John F. Kennedy talking shit about their football team in their jersey reveal this year. And uh, <laughs> man, Rice doesn't have anything else really other than being like a very nice, like very well-known academic school. So, uh, and they're in Houston. Give it to them. I say we give it to Rice. Um, I, if I would like. Uh, if you can give me a second, Justin, I will pull up the great Stephen Godfrey's tweet about how he feels about UCF calling themselves Space U. Um, yes. When, uh, I will pull that up. But Justin, what do you think the uh, the space school is? I So as much as it would pain me to say this, um, I got to say, I'm going to give some credit to UCF here because as much as I hate it, um, Kennedy Space Center has obviously seen so many shuttle flights, so many um, different pieces and parts of um, our 
astronomic history as a country um, that I don't know. I feel like they've kind of got to lay a claim on it. But besides that point, um, they've also they, they've done the most and they've really kind of held their own as far as trying to lay the claim to the space. They, they're not like I think other teams are starting to do it now. And UCF has been doing it as much as I'm never going to give them appreciation. Cause trust me, it's I'm vomiting in my mouth saying this, but um, you know, between the Citronauts, um, you know, all of that kind of like theming that they had going on, I think they've done a good execution with it. Uniform wise. Um, I would give it to UCF, but if I wasn't going to go for UCF, I would probably have to say uh, I, I, I would think Purdue personally, I think UCF makes sense because they've kind of had this going for a while, but Purdue um, I think probably does it the best. And of course, now that they've released the space U uniforms for uh, UCF, I think that's just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's them. That's, that's, <laughs> that's like a kid on the playground who gets something taken from them and just starts crying. It's like, well, we had it first. It's ours. <laughs> so in response to all this, they just put out Space U uniforms to try to make it seem like uh, they're the top dog here. And personally, I think the Space Force is still a joke. Uh, I get that it's trying to be forward thinking, but come on, we don't need we don't need a Space Force. Well, that's just more money that our government is spending that's <laughs> unnecessary. Uh, okay, uh, from 10-22-2020, when we all needed a good laugh. Oh, yeah. Actually, by the way, um, Mississippi State was forgotten on that tweet. They did put out mm. uh, wear a, a space uniform theme in 2020. From UCF Sports, Brandon Helwig. UCF was the innovator of the Space Day theme. Purdue emulated last year, it last year and now Mississippi State. <laughs> and then Stephen Godfrey quote tweets and says, I have found joy in the social constants during COVID. Moorings of our previous life that are untouched by the strife of 2020. Such as UCF fans claiming that a degree farm for Hilton night managers invented outer effing space. That's <laughs> so funny. You need to tweet that out during UCF week, by the way, Justin. So that's going to happen um, now for sure. But yeah, I'm just saying, give it to Rice because why not? Yeah, they, they need something. Yeah, right. Rice makes sense, but I, I, I still got to say, I, I mean, as much as I hate it. UCF at least has been like consistent with it. It's not like a thing that they just kind of poke in. Like they've didn't, they do one at least every single year. So I'm going to give them that much. Um, and that's about all they're ever going to get from me. Cause obviously we don't like UCF here. Uh, and the greater bit of America probably doesn't either. Um, with all that said, uh, we can just jump straight into our top 25 games to watch. Um, this week is kind of an interesting week in college football. There's a lot of teams that are still undefeated and there's a lot of teams that are kind of, sorry, ads just screaming in my ears right now. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are undefeated, a lot of teams that are sitting at five and one. Um, and of course, a couple teams that are looking for a sort of rebound. Um, the big one of the week, I think is obviously going to be Penn state and Michigan. Um, I think that's the biggest one to pay attention to because it's going to say a lot about um, where the season goes forward, considering where Ohio state has been so far this year. Um, Michigan is the seven point favorite over under 52 um, going to this game, playing in Ann Arbor. Uh, personally, 
I think Michigan has been an interesting story to watch just because it feels like they haven't really beat anybody yet. Um, and Penn State managed to take care of everyone on their schedule as well. And this one's going to be important. When, like I said, when you look at Ohio State uh, going into that game, when Michigan's going to play them later this year, and I believe Penn State is also um, going to play Ohio State here. Yeah, in two weeks. Um, and so, whoever wins this one um, is going to have, you know, obviously probably going to get the shit beat out of them by Ohio State no matter who wins or who loses in this. Um, I think Ohio state's just kind of otherworldly this year, but that's going to be my big one to watch and see kind of where that turns out because that is a five versus 10 matchup. Um, and that will have some big implications later on in the season. Um, granted, both of them being in the big 10 East um, probably is just going to let them rule each other out once Ohio state takes care of business, but I'd pay attention to that one. Um, as far as um, another one of those games, I'm going to say, and try to keep this too in a uh, roundabout fashion where we kind of cover different conferences and not just stack them up on the same. So that's sort of my big 10 pick here for my big 12 pick. I'm going to go with Kansas, Oklahoma, Kansas has been so much fun to watch this year. Um, unfortunately they got game day. They fortunately they got game day last week. They actually, um, if I do believe wherever I saw that tweet, um, they had the largest viewership of any game day um, since like 2007 or some crazy. Well, they can dress it up real number. good, Justin. They said like yeah. pre-November. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> pre-November, true. Game day since 2009. But yes, agree. True. Because you UC's was in November last year, and obviously we were better. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but again, Kansas now sitting uh, at 19, playing Oklahoma, which obviously just took a huge loss to Texas 49 to zip giant goose egg. Of course, in all of this after Oklahoma just put up that goose egg, Oklahoma is still favored by nine points playing Kansas. I think Kansas has a lot to prove and I'd really love to see them beat up on Oklahoma and make Oklahoma skid into a less than 500 team. Um, clearly they're not going to be gunning for the big 12 championship this year. And I think Kansas still has plenty to play for. I'd love to see them take care of Oklahoma on the road. So we'll see how that turns out. Obviously that's going to be a high scoring point affair, um, high point scoring affair, a little backwards there. Um, as for the sec, Alabama, Tennessee, that's the obvious one. You can't overlook that. Um, Alabama's storylines. You of course have Bryce young um, kind of as been this sort of, questionable iffy kind of week in week out now kind of thing where we're really not sure what you're going to get from Alabama and Alabama has looked uh, like they've could be exposed. We saw that this week with Texas A&M, Texas A&M almost got one over on them. Uh, if Texas A&M did not make a terrible play call <laughs> after getting the uh, pass interference in their favor, um, on the goal line, couldn't get it done. I think Alabama definitely could have got a loss there. Tennessee looks really good. Tennessee also usually looks pretty good, and then they get exposed. Uh, Tennessee is kind of like just this ever-growing roller coaster every year where you get all the way to the top, and then it's a nice steep fall down. Um, so if the Vols can manage to pull it off, I would be very excited. I think a lot of America would be very excited just to see like Texas A&M did last year, somebody take out Alabama in the regular season, stop that conversation as early as you can. 
Um, and it would be awesome to see a team like Tennessee manage to make it into the college football playoff. You beat Alabama. Now I think you have a legitimate possibility at doing that. Um, as for my AAC or ACC pick, sorry, I'm going to go for NC state Syracuse. I think that's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, both of these teams going into this game have five wins. The only difference is Syracuse is five and zero, oh, <laughs> which is not something that I think anyone would have expected. Syracuse, uh, very much a basketball school, sort of like the conversation of Duke or Kentucky. Um, you know, you expect them to succeed in basketball. You don't necessarily expect them to su- succeed in football, but uh, they've got it done so far this year. Syracuse is the favorite. They are playing in Syracuse. Um, and NC state has been a little interesting this year. They almost let one get by them, uh, with ECU earlier this season. Um, it is a 15 versus 18 matchup. That is a top 25 against top 25 matchup. Um, and that is at two 30 PM. Are we sure they're not playing on the hardwood, Justin? Are we sure this is a football <laughs> game? It, unfortunately, I think it is, um, whether that's going to be fun to watch or not. I think that is definitely going to be interesting, especially considering, uh, the ACC's conversation. I think they're just overall, like looking at like Pitt, Pitt is just in a weird phase after what happened last year, after losing Kenny Pickett, who's clearly uh, doing a great job in Pittsburgh, uh, <laughs> stinking it up like the Pittsburgh Steelers always do. Um, and I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of turns out. Um, of course, Clemson's going to be in that championship game, but maybe there's some conversation for one of these teams to, you know, kind of slide in there. So we'll see what happens there. Um, as for the final pick, I'm going to go with USC Utah game. USC has been uh, meeting expectations. Uh, Lincoln Riley has definitely got it going there very fast. USC on a quick turnaround, our old friend, Mike bone, um, probably very happy about the results there now. Um, turning out to be a pretty good hire when you can snag Lincoln Riley. Um, It'll be interesting to see if Utah can kind of maybe sneak one out of here. I think USC looks really good. And the Pac-12, I think, has got a bit more credit this year, mainly because of just the conversations around Lincoln Riley. But um, Utah obviously showed this season, showed last season, um, that they're a quality team and they're going to be tough to beat. And it's going to be in Salt Lake. I think it's going to be a tough one to win um, on the road for uh, USC, but maybe they can snag this one. Um, So, yeah, I'd keep an eye out on that Um, for them. It is a uh, seven versus 20 matchup. Utah is favored. um, And the over under for that is 65 um, as it goes so far. Um, We're currently looking at this guy here. Uh, Where's that at? Yeah, Uh, both these teams are scoring 40 points a game Um, and their defenses are their their numbers across the board are almost identical. Um, So if the offense shows up, it's going to be a high scoring game for both. If the defense shows up, it's going to be low scoring. They're pretty much the exact same team on the board. Um, But clearly USC, I think, has a little bit of an advantage just because of um, where they've been so far this year. Um, and some of their wins, but, uh, Utah's only loss, uh, in the last five came to the game. They just played against number 18, UCLA chip Kelly has got something going there. Um, they've kind of rebounded after, uh, becoming a satellite campus to the Bearcats. 
Yep. Yep. Uh, shout out to UCLA. Uh, they had some weird transfer things uh, happen this off season, kind of like USC, but theirs were less known, uh, more under the radar. Dylan Gabriel actually uh, intended to transfer to UCLA before the Oklahoma thing broke down. And then yep. he pulled out of UCLA, transferred to Oklahoma from UCF. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was thinking about going to UNLV, but then he instead landed at UC, uh, came back to UCLA and their offense is cooking right now, man. And yep. it, that game against Utah last week, Utah kind of kept their pace, but UC, UCLA was the one leading the charge. They were consistently up by a touchdown until they returned that, uh, that fumble back for a touchdown and made it a 10 point game at the end. So uh, Justin, as my honorable mention for this segment, I want to bring up a game that we might not ever see again on the channel that it's on. Okay. So I say that because ABC is going to be taking over the 3:30 SEC game of the week next yes. year. Yes. So uh, from that CBS time slot that we've come to know um, <laughs> and associate with the the SEC on CBS, that's going to be on ABC next year. So uh, you won't see this matchup on ABC next year, and I'm talking about number. Eight Oklahoma State heading to Fort Worth and playing the Horned Frogs of TCU, ranked number 13. Uh, this game has an over-under of 68 and a half, so I, I love that. Um, and I, I apologize. Uh, TCU is a four-point home favorite, even though they are uh, ranked lower than Oklahoma State. Both these teams are 5-0. and uh, Oklahoma State coming off their appearance in the Big 12 title game last year. TCU mm -hmm. under new head coach Sonny Dykes. Um, so I'm interested because this game is kind of similar styles. Both of them score over 40 points a game. Both have really focused, uh, been good enough on the defensive side. But I think Oklahoma State has a better defense. Uh, and we've known Sonny Dykes' teams to come out really hot and kind of cool off near the end of the season. Yeah. And I'm interested to see where that happens, but uh, a big 12 matchup in the middle of the season at three 30 Eastern on ABC, you won't see it uh, much more, especially you won't see it. You only see it for the rest of this year as the contracts are written uh, currently. So that's yeah. kind of an interesting game for that time slot and for that channel. Um, I'm the only one probably who pays, pays attention to what <laughs> channel people are on, but um, it's kind of interesting. So it's yeah. interesting too, just in the fact that uh, TCU kind of came out of nowhere and is now like pretty high up in the rankings. Two weeks yeah. ago, they were unranked. Now they're at 13. Uh, so yeah. that happened really fast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Justin, I just wanted to make a quick note before we move on to the, the G5 grab bag, as I'm going to call it. Um, it's been three consecutive weeks that the Cheez-It team, national team of the week has gone to a big 12 team. But the pattern here is, Justin, that all three of these teams have beat Oklahoma. So, wow. okay. first off, we got Kansas State winning it three weeks ago after they beat Oklahoma when Oklahoma was still ranked in the top 10. Last week, it was Kansas State who beat Oklahoma. Uh, sorry, it was TCU who beat Oklahoma in yep. Fort Worth. They won National Cheese it Team of the Week. <laughs> and then this past week, it was the Longhorns of University of Texas at Austin who put the smackdown on Oklahoma <laughs> and then won Cheez-It National <laughs> Team of the Week. So either this is the biggest troll job in the world, <laughs> as somebody who's deciding this award is like the biggest Texas fan or just uh, yeah. the biggest Oklahoma State fan in Hague, Oklahoma, or it's just a purely a coincidence. But in college football, 
There's nothing's a coincidence. A that no. is a big old bird to Oklahoma. Someone's <laughs> I love hating. that. Someone's yes, hating, sure. and I'm a big fan of it. So for sure. congratulations to Kansas for winning the Cheez-It National Team of the Week when you beat Oklahoma. Maybe even if you play close enough, they'll just give you the Team of the Week for yeah. beating Oklahoma. So shout out to you guys. Now on to our G5 grab bag segment. Justin, right. we are going to hit one game, including each group of five conference. Nice. Luke Fickle doesn't like that term, but it's what we got right now. Yep. So first up on the docket, I'm going to start low to high in my current rankings of how okay. I believe the conferences in the group of five are operating. Spicy. Week. Number five, we're going to start in the MAC. Balls State, sorry, Balls State, uh, <laughs> named after a person who donated enough money to the school. Look that story up. Um, they are playing host to the University of Connecticut football team, not the basketball team. And Ball State, the Cardinals are a nine and a half point favorite. But I picked this game out, Justin, because UConn has won two straight games against FBS opponents. Yes, that they is have. Awesome. We yes, they give have. them a shout out for that. They've been really bad for a lot of years, <laughs> and they deserve a little love. Because last week, they beat Florida International in Florida. Big win for the Huskies. And the week before that, they took down none other than Fresno State. I know Fresno State doesn't have Jake Hayner right now. But still beating Fresno State at Rensselaer Field in East Hartford, Connecticut. Big win for the Huskies. So, Jim Mora, that job is not hopeless. I think their over-under for the season was two and a half, maybe even one and a half this year. And... They're comfortably at three wins right now. So, and I think they've got a shot. I have not seen Ball State play much this year, other than our, knowing that our man Jay Sean Jackson, uh, former Bearcat player, is now on. I think he's still with Ball State. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, so I I think the MAC is unfortunately the worst conference this year. Not much going on there. Yep. A lot of a lot of rough teams. Next up on my ranking is Western Kentucky, an eight point road favorite headed to middle tennessee state now these right. two teams not much really going on with western kentucky this year other than their close loss to uh indiana in overtime but we saw middle tennessee state get one paid 1.6 million uh, 1.5 million dollars to hold miami to 1.6 rushing yards to carry and just have some some of the most fun we've seen by any team on the football field this year just go for chunk play after chunk play and really just demoralize the great Miami. Uh, that Middle Tennessee State is a 3-0 and against Miami in their history, by the way, if you didn't know that, Justin. So wow. fun fact. But another fun fact about this game is this is the uh, we're stuck bowl because these two <laughs> teams tried their damnedest, really tried their hardest to leave Conference USA and join the MAC last year. And the MAC was like, you know what? We're good. We don't need you. Uh, we're, yep. we're all right on that. So uh, that's an interesting game. Western Kentucky, a road uh, eight point favorite against a middle Tennessee state team. That's looked good, but fell off hard last week. Yeah, they did that. They did. <laughs> so the next worst conference that were the, the next best conference <laughs> is I'm going to say it is the mountain West and Justin, we're entering the right. rivalry segment. Uh, we we entered the rivalry seg, uh, part of this segment with the w Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State, but we are headed to New Mexico, the land of Breaking Bad. It is the Breaking <laughs> Bad Bowl between New Mexico and New Mexico State. Uh, so this game is kind of interesting because 
for a long a long time new mexico state was in the sun belt um but they got kicked out from that conference because it was too far uh, along with idaho they've tried for years to join the mountain west mountain west has always said no you can't join uh, <laughs> but they were able to join the uh, conference usa coming up for next year and they are finally going to be able to have a a, a place to call their football team home and not play home and home games uh, with Liberty and other teams. So uh, I am looking up the Rio Grande rivalry is the official name there you for go. the New Mexico, New Mexico state rivalry between the Aggies and the Lobos. Um, New Mexico is a six and a half point favorite going down to Las Cruces. Uh, I've been in Albuquerque. I've not been to La, uh, Las Cruces, but I, according to better call Saul, it is a long drive to get from New Mexico <laughs> to Las Cruces. Another interesting thing, Justin, this game is being broadcast in the Navajo language. Um, really? The Navajo speakers of uh, around the state of New Mexico. So I thought that was pretty cool. But the Breaking Bad Bowl, the Blue, the blue Stuff Bowl, New Mexico, heading down to Las Cruces to play the Aggies. We'll see who pulls out pulls on on top in that one both of those teams are pretty bad <laughs> yes it might not be the most fun to watch but it'll definitely be interesting <laughs> it will be interesting for sure next game we got up uh, a little known rivalry trophy that is called the gantz trophy justin do you know who these teams are oh, the gantz trophy um uh, i give me i give me a conference give me a conference it's the american conference okay um that's going to have to go to a, is it a temple matchup? No, it is Navy mm. and Southern Methodist University. And Interesting. This, is, this is a rivalry that still exists, uh, even though the two schools just came up with it. Some uh, Somewhat like our dearly beloved departed civil conflict that only lasted yep. a few years. <laughs> but the two schools came together and were like, you know what? We should have a trophy because why not? And this trophy is named after a guy who played football for the Naval Academy and then went on to coach uh, on assist as an assistant for both Navy and SMU. Okay. And the teams decided they didn't have enough rivalries uh, that they were playing for. And they're like, you know what? We need a rivalry. And the rivalry was obviously uh, made a conference matchup when Navy joined the American in 2015. Right. So the Gantz trophy. New, a little known trophy that you didn't know about. Hopefully you learned something today. The Gantz Trophy. Navy is visiting the Hilltop and SMU. SMU is a 12 and a half point favorite this week. But um, for our Bearcat friends, we'll be interested to see what happens in that game because the Bearcats have both of those teams on their schedule this year. Yep. Finally, we are ending in the Sun Beast. The Sun best beast. Top to bottom. Yes, sir. This year. And yes, we are going to go with the JMU James Madison Dukes ranked oh, yeah. in the top 25 for the first time in program history this year. By the way, it's their first year coming up from FCS football and they're just five and zero. they're rolling right now. Uh, they came back from 28, seven to beat uh, app state uh, right after app state had beat Troy and was rolling and they had game day and uh, JMU's like, no, 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 we're <laughs> the big boys here. Um, so they will be, they are 10 and a half point favorites going on the road to Georgia Southern. Uh, now, Georgia Southern uh, recently hired the new head coach, uh, Clay Helton. And I found this interesting, Justin, a couple of weeks ago after the Nebraska game, uh, Mike, Clay Helton's old boss, Mike Bone, the former AD at UC, who's now at USC, texted Clay Helton and was like, congratulations on the win against Nebraska. Now, Justin, I think this is weird. 
why would a formerly fired coach send uh, his old the guy he fired a text be like congratulations like good job to me that's weird I don't I don't really get what that's about but um, I'm looking up what happened to Georgia Southern last week because they played Georgia State in their rivalry game and guess what this year it is Georgia State not Southern Georgia State won that rivalry game in Atlanta against Georgia Southern. Um, and Georgia Southern is smarting, smarting after that game. They're going to be hosting a top 25 team. And they're, I'm interested to see how that goes. But shout out to JMU. The Dukes have really uh, done something remarkable in their first year. They're not even uh, eligible to make a bowl or win the conference championship because of NCAA. Which uh, is bullshit. I know. I agree. Uh, and I, I, I don't really get what the point is. Well, um, and I, I'm, I'm with you on that, too, because it's one of those things like and I think this is like an interesting topic, not to like cut you off here. But if you're an FCS team who transitions to the big leagues and you're able to win enough to be bowl eligible, why should there be a barrier on you? If JMU, JMU is playing way above what I think anybody's expectations would have been for them transitioning into FBS. And now they're not going to be able to be rewarded for that with a bowl. I just think that's bullshit. Well, and I bring up Georgia Southern because they, Justin, were in the same boat as uh, James Madison when they first came up. They actually won the Sun Belt in their first year as a member of the FBS in 2014. Now, that was when they were running the triple option. People had <laughs> probably had no idea how to stop it back then. They don't run the triple option anymore. That's changed. But uh, it's kind of an interesting point to see that James Madison – is in the same place now as Georgia Southern was about eight years ago. So pretty cool uh, little roundup there in the G5. Um, uh, Justin, we both watch soccer, so I, <laughs> I think I'm fine in making this analogy. The G5 is like, you know, the championship or the le- League One, you know. Um, yeah. You know, they're the lower leagues, of course, of college football. But that doesn't mean there's not passionate fans. There do- that doesn't mean there's not football junkies who watch those games. That that doesn't mean I mean, hey, I pulled up ESPN plus to watch Coastal Carolina play at Louisiana Monroe last week. I watched there Louisiana Monroe get stuffed in the one one yard line <laughs> uh, and like and and then that game went under and was featured on bad beats this week. But I can say <laughs> I was watching that game when that goal line stand happened. So um, as Bearcat fans, we are leaving the big uh, the you know, to get to the P5 we and we are leaving the G5. But uh I'm I'm still fond for some of the other schools, some of the other I would say affectionately backwaters of college football, um, and especially like you know leagues like the Sun Belt where there's fan interest, fan engagement, and you would never know the difference between it being you know the biggest time or its current level, other than the size of the stadium. Other than that, yeah. it's like it means just as much to them. So yeah, and, and you know. It, it's just like it's I think that's the best comparison I can give people is that, you know, it it still means a lot to people in these. And even though they're in the lower conference, it still means a lot to them. Yeah. And I, I think like this is one of those things, too, where, um, you know, the G5 does a pretty good job of keeping regional li- rivalries alive, as you've seen with the Sun Belt. Like it's you're able to play teams that, you know, people want to hate. People want to hate those. You know, they want to have those rivalries. And just the same as, you know, I work in an I work in an office in Nashville that's full of people who went to SEC schools. All of them come in every single weekend 
how'd Alabama do this weekend? How'd LSU do this weekend? How'd all these teams do this weekend? Or they want to talk crap about it. And it's one of those things where like, you know, I think these G5 schools work in the same way. They might not have a bandwagon kind of fan base. They might might not have as large of a fan base, but they definitely have an engaged fan base that cares. Um, One thing that I did want to point out too, before uh, we transitioned off of the, uh, teams is I, I have one, I have one game that I wanted to pick as what, uh, I would calling the worst game of the week. <laughs> the pillow so, fight of the year. Yes. The, the, the pillow fight of the year, the only turn it on. If you are absolutely drunk, if you're hammered at 11 AM and have ESPN plus go check out central Michigan playing at Akron. Uh, both teams are currently one in five. Uh, neither of them are good. The Mac is already awful this year. Personally, I think that's going to be the worst game of the year. Uh, there's a couple other people might argue, but that is just going to be an ugly game. <laughs> and Justin, I think it's I fun to read, try to go yeah, ahead. I don't know if you read the bottom 10, but that was featured as one of the pillow fights of the, of the year of the century this week. Uh, the bottom 10 <laughs> is a weekly uh, column on ESPN.com where uh uh, Ryan, Ryan McGee rates the, the 10 worst teams and the fifth spot is always like the honorable spot. Uh, and this week it was Oklahoma, I believe, because you know, they, they're bad. So, yeah. um, but I have another pillow fight of the week of the year. Also a sickos committee game of the week. <laughs> like uh, shout out to the sickos committee. I love Those guys them. are awesome. The nightcap. If you're really drunk and it's, and you're chasing your bets at the end of the night, you need <laughs> something. Hawaii is finally back Hawaii. on the islands this week. And guess who they got, Justin? The other worst team in the Mountain West, the Nevada Wolfpack. Oh. Now, I didn't watch the Hawaii game last week, and I am a Hawaii fan, so I can tell you what happened. Justin, they were leading 14-13 to 13 against San Diego State. Not a bad team. They had the lead right at the end of the game. The kicker, uh, but San Diego State gets the ball back after Hawaii scores a late touchdown, a minute and a half to go. San Diego State drives all the way down in a field goal range, kicks a field goal, no good, but the Hawaii coach called the timeout to ice the kicker, and guess what the kicker did on the next kick? Straight through the uprights. No win for you, Hawaii. They they are not winless this year. They did beat FCS Duquesne, but, man, come on. Like, Timmy Chang, my boy, you <laughs> cannot do that. Like, just let it happen. Like, I... I'm always a fan of just letting it ride at the end of the game. Like there's no reason to really be wasting anybody's time with it. College is a little bit different than pro in that sense, for sure. But like, I I think it gives them more nerves if you're not going to call a timeout, you know, and like if they're wondering if you are going to call a timeout or not, because if they see it, like they miss it one time and they get another chance, they're going to make it like usually they're going to make it. So, but I say, man, you just got to let it ride and, you know, you don't call that timeout. So hopefully Timmy Chan can pull one out on the, on the Island this week at their retrofitted track stadium against the <laughs> Nevada Wolfpack who are also terrible. Um, I, I'm not going to watch that game cause it's going to be on spectrum sports plus and pay-per-view, Oof. but. Ooh. Oh, that's but, just like a, that's a mouthful of disgusting sentence, <laughs> but the betters will know out there. If you haven't listened to the Hawaii game, two o'clock Eastern time zone, while you're chasing, 
you just haven't bet a college football Saturday. I'm sorry. I mean, that's the only way you can follow along live with the game unless someone's live streaming it from the stadium. But if not, it's usually just you're listening to ESPN Honolulu feed shout out uh, and you are just like hoping and praying. Um, I, I really Chasing take that bet at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, and it's also like, you know, the, the referees on the mainland, they like to, you know, get out of there a little early and they like to favor the the home team a oh, little yeah. bit. If you if things get weird on the island late <laughs> at night, uh, they've also been featuring in bad beats. One of my favorite parts of each college football week, going back and seeing what bad beats happened. And uh, there's been a few bad beats that have happened on the island. So uh, shout out to them. Uh, my beloved Hawaii rainbow warriors. Um, we got to get a win this week, boys beat the wolf pack. Go away. Uh, and if I believe too, uh, the if I remember correctly, the Hawaii Bowl was also can one of the first to get canned uh, COVID too. So unfortunately, couldn't watch uh, any special bowl games over in the Great Island. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just had the guy uh, live tweeting from the stadium about uh, about the the Easy Post <laughs> Hawaii Bowl. Uh, the Easy Post. Manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a weird situation for Hawaii last year. Uh, so and. I know our Memphis friends were not very happy that they didn't get to get play that game. But honestly, you spent a, a week of like just freedom in Hawaii and you don't even have to worry about whether you won or lost. Like, you know, you just kind of got to hang out for a week in Hawaii. It was great. Free vacation. Win or, lo- win or lose. Sure, you might be upset about not getting the opportunity to win, but you can't be upset about getting the opportunity to lose. So <laughs> that pretty much covers that. Um if there's anything else to talk about in college football, I think kind of the biggest um, headline, of course, like I mentioned earlier, is really just going to be what happens with this um, Alabama and Tennessee game. I am really curious to see. I really don't like the SEC because I think it's all chalked up to be a lot more than it is. But the implications of the game, Tennessee looks really strong. And I would love, love, love to see somebody just keep Alabama out for a year. Um, and I think Tennessee could realistically do that. The problem is they got a little bit too much credit, a little too early and Alabama is probably going to find a way to squeak back in. I am curious to ask you, um, you know, if w- what your thoughts are on like an uh, early out for CFP, what we're kind of looking at right now. Um, so right now we do have four undefeated teams right now. And, we have, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, uh, yep. you know, the, the usuals. Uh, but I do think we do have a chance at getting a different team this year. And that could be USC. I do think USC is our best chance out of the Pac-12. They, they don't really have like the out-of-conference schedule, but they do have Notre Dame at the end of the year. And, you know, they're going to get respect for playing Notre Dame just because it's Notre Dame. Um, but th- I mean – they're already ranked number six. I think that's just because their their name is USC. But people are really excited about them. They got Caleb Williams. They're good and, and like, man, like they're they've been the late game every week uh, for for me out here to watch uh, watch yep. watch them on Fox or Lady ESPN. So um, I do think they have an interesting road. Um, like you said, Utah this week should be tough. Uh, they go to the Rose Bowl and play at, uh, against UCLA later this year. Uh, in that sweet, sweet jersey color on color matchup, which I love. Yep. Um, but I'm just very interested to see how it goes for them this year because I do think they have 
one of the better shots at being a team like Cincinnati last year and being an outsider to join the college football playoff fray. But other than that, Justin, I do think it's going to be a mixture of Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson, unfortunately. Yep. And I think it's uh, interesting to see, too, like a lot of teams have kind of already shot themselves in the foot pretty early, um, you know, of having a real legitimate possibility at that. I think this would be a really interesting conversation for a little bit more of a planned out pod, um, but uh, potential projection of what that 12-team playoff would look like uh, in this year's current setup because there's a lot of teams on the outside right now that could be poking in when you've got teams like Texas, Um, You've got teams like Kansas, you've got teams that might not usually be in the mix um, who have a legitimate shot and are kind of creeping up pretty slowly. Um, And, you know, I think this is one of those things too. Like, even like you talk about the Bearcats, obviously playoffs never going to happen this year. That really was outside of the conversation. Even if you win at Arkansas convincingly, you're still not really going to be in that conversation just because of the result of last year. But um, I think there's a lot of interesting teams for the rest of this season um, well, let that... me just read it off for you, Justin. Like the hypothetical twelve-team playoff, Ooh. if we're if we're instituted this year, based so off of week six. Four, uh, yes, this is okay. the week seven AP top twenty-five oh, ranking. Perfect. So, if the season ended right now and they said twelve-team playoff, let's do it. Our first, our top four buys: number one, Georgia; two, Ohio State; three, Alabama; four, Clemson. But here's where it gets interesting, Justin, and this is going to be the great part about a twelve-team playoff. Styles make fights, Justin. And they do. Just these weird games at different places where teams might not always go. We've got Oregon as the 12 seed would head to Ann Arbor. That's like a rematch of the 2007 game where Oregon just ran all over Michigan back then. Um, But I would like to see what Oregon looks like. Uh, They play in the cold sometimes, you know, when it gets like colder near the end of the year up in Oregon and Washington when they go to play Washington. But Oregon in Ann Arbor when it's snowing, like right around Christmas time, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, UCLA would go to Nayland Stadium and play Tennessee. Can you imagine a Tennessee crowd jacked up to host a playoff game? That That would be, yeah. (laughs) They're already crazy now. Can you imagine like what they would be like for that? Okay. Next, another rematch of a, a recent and New Year's Six game. We have Penn State going to USC at the Coliseum. This is a rematch, like I said, of that 2017 Rose Bowl, where it was such a great game. Penn State pulled it off at, at, or was that USC that pulled it off at the end? I forget. I think USC won that game. Yeah. USC won that game. But uh, such a great game between Saquon Barkley and Sam Darnold. So yes, uh, it was one of those like college football classic games. And then for an 8-9 matchup, oh, how about a little Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin heading to Stillwater to play Mike Gundy? Like, the, the <laughs> one of the two of the biggest offensive minds in our game right now, just playing each other in mid-December and just letting it fly, dude. That's a like, sickos game. <laughs> it's a sickos game, but, like, I'm betting the over on that. Imagine oh, how many sure. points are coming out of that game. So <laughs> The air um, raid is in full effect. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and there are definitely some concerns. People say it might take away from the playoff, but all of those games I just mentioned are games I would want to watch. And yeah. like, I think like you know, like as these teams get better, as like hopefully as teams around the country get better, and it's not so centered around SEC. Well, I guess technically the the, the Bearcats would be in a twelve team playoff as the Group of Five champion. So maybe right. uh, you boot out 
uh, who is that at number two? Well, you would boot out Oregon, yep. and the Bearcats would be going up to Michigan. So um, sorry about that. I know you're all going to punish me for that later. So uh, <laughs> find me on Twitter. Um, but like even that UC Michigan game, I still think that UC could have really had something to say if they had played Michigan or Ohio State in last year's college football playoff. And they played literally the most talented team in the country in their playoff game last year. If they had played Michigan last year, I really think it might have been a different story. So, um, yep. but other than that, like, I think that 12 team playoffs is going to be so interesting. I think it's going to make the season even more interesting too, just because there's going to be teams that are like, okay, we're still involved. Like, you yep. know, we, we, we have one loss, we have two losses, but this is a, a huge game for us to maybe get into the playoff. So um, I think it's just going to add more intrigue. More games are going to be interesting, especially getting out around to like 10, 11, 12, 13 week, those late weeks. Yeah. That's why I'm so excited about it. I love college football already. You know, I was always going to watch. Uh, I actually didn't watch the national title game last year. Cause I was kind of a boycott. Same with the Same. 2017 Same. national title <laughs> game. I just couldn't watch an all sec title game. But other than that, like, I've I try to watch as much as I can. I watch college football final every weekend. I listen to pot. Like I think college football is probably my favorite sport, and I just enjoy it so much. And I think that's going to be the great part about a twelve team playoff is that so much college football meaning so much more across the country in our eyeballs. It's going to be yep. amazing. I'm so excited for it. I'm so glad they finally did it. Yeah, and it's 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 going to be really interesting to see. Um, you know, I think the college football playoff as it currently stands with four teams. Um, is obviously stale and outdated. I think it's really going to be interesting to see not just who ends up in that first one, but year after year over the course of five years, 10 years, how many different Cinderella kind of teams you get. The sort of, you know, the St. Pete's of the world, the teams that you wouldn't expect that could really like make a run for it just by putting together a solid schedule, putting together a solid, you know, you know, run of wins. You maybe get one loss on the season. If you're say a UTSA, like last year, maybe you're in there. That's a possibility that you're in there. You know, if you're, you know, some of these lower programs, if you're a JMU right now and you're sitting at five and zero right now, uh, you're looking at next year and say, you're not in this same situation where you're going to have, <clears throat> Oh, well, you can't have a bowl. These guys could legitimately be in the college football playoff. And I think that kind of environment for all college football teams is really exciting. Um, it's something that we've never seen before. It's going to make, like you said, every single game matter. There's always going to be something to play for. If you lose one game, it's not going to be the end of the world. If you lose two games, it might not be the end of the world. Um, and I think that is going to be a really exciting conversation going forward for the rest of um, you know, the playoff and the rest of these upcoming college football seasons. Um, it gives you a cushion. I think that's definitely going to be huge. Like it's going to benefit the best teams, which is what the college football playoff should cater to. But at the same time, it's going to allow a lot more teams an opportunity. And that is going to be really cool. Um, I would love to see, I would love to see two group of five bids in there, like as auto bids. I mean, that's never going to happen. I think it'll probably still stick with just one, but it'd be really cool to see just two of those have them open slots. You never know who you might get in that. Um, and then give, you know, 10 to the power five, two to the group of five. I think that's pretty fair <laughs> as, as five conferences to five conferences. I think that's pretty fair. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out when you're talking this sort of 
big two, you know, kind of idea with the SEC and the Big Ten, um, you know, how that all, all those implications come in. You might be able to go in, you might miss your uh, championship game that year and you could still end up winning the college football playoff. Probably not something that we'll see, but the possibility is there. And imagine, imagine that if the Bearcats miss the call, if they, if they miss the championship game and then proceed to win enough games and play in the national championship game, that is really cool. I mean, that's a thing that college basketball allows that college football does not and has not for God knows, you know, literally has never allowed before. So this will be really cool to see how all that plans out. Yep, definitely. And I'm, I just, I love college football, man. So I'm very excited about it. (laughs) Agree with you on that. Well, I think that covers just about everything. Of course, (laughs) we ran long uh, as we always do, but um, sort of test driving this, we're going to see how all this kind of pans out and see what we can put together. But um, aside from all that, we've had a great time kind of getting to talk through all these topics. Um, We'll try to get another one out next week covering the sort of round table of college football as a whole. Um, If you guys are mainly listening to Viva the Cats, keep chiming in on that. Um, If you've liked what you've heard today, uh, just keep following us, share us with your friends, share us with your friends that aren't Bearcats fans. Uh, Maybe you can get you guys coming over here and listen to some of uh, these podcasts as well. Just trying to diversify it up. Uh, So again, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, This has been an episode of a podcast that doesn't really have a name yet, but (laughs) regardless, we're here. I like it. Campus Kings. We'll, we'll, we'll draw the line in the sand right now. That'll work. Campus Kings. Uh, So thank you guys for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next week.